So, hello and welcome to Seniority. This is episode three, and I'm sitting here with Grandma Gail. So I actually have a first question for you. Ever since I was little, I've called you Grandma Gail. How did you get that nickname at first? Boy, I don't know. The kids at church started calling me that, and then everybody started using, <laughs> Hi, I'm Grandma Gail. Yeah. I just introduced myself that way, and people, uh, grown people call me Grandma Gail. Yeah. So it's funny that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then going back to the very beginning, where and kind of what decade were you born? Just to give us some context for that. If you don't want to say the exact year, or you can oh, say no, the exact no, year. No, 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 I was born in 35. Okay, and where were you born? Santa Paula. Uh, no, uh, actually Ventura, because there wasn't a hospital in Santa Paula. Okay, so you kind of lived up in the L.A. area growing no, up? No, oh. near Ventura County. Okay, and so then did you have siblings growing up? Two older sisters. Okay. And how much older were they than you? Seven years. Okay, so that was a sizable difference between you and them. Mm-hmm. And so then, can you kind of, growing up, you were living in Ventura County, kind of what was that like? What was the neighborhood uh, like? Great. Um, I went to school with mostly Mexican children, but they were like third and fourth generation. Uh-huh. Families that had come as, as workers and then they became, the kids that graduated with me became uh, engineers, teachers, uh, and and they were basically poor, but they always appeared beautifully dressed, and we played sports together, and I was kind of in two groups of people, uh, the more affluent kids and the Mexican kids, because I was very good at sports. Yeah, and so... With your parents, kind of, what were their jobs? Kind of, what was their background? My father worked for my grandfather in a furniture store, and then he opened his own furniture store. Okay. He was a volunteer fireman, a fire chief. Um, my mom was the strictest <laughs> of the two parents. <laughs> okay, and so then, did you move around when you were young, or do you? No, we were in one town. Um, my father had several heavy prejudices. Um, he'd go to the furniture market in L.A., and if a Jewish person came in before he did and wanted what he'd ordered, they'd give it to him. Oh. So he probably had a legitimate reason for that, and he had another prejudice, which kind of stayed with me all my life, but that one I won't mention because okay. it's not fair. Okay. And so then, what were you kind of like as a child? Did um, I was I was the spoiled baby <laughs> by my two sisters, but they were wild. Yeah. So uh, were you kind of the good child of the family? In I a sense? prayed to be good because they both caused so much trouble. <laughs> and what'd you like to do for fun at that point? Sports, uh, rode horses. Oh, really? uh, Western style. I would ride with my dad, but I could never quite measure up to his 
goal, I'd get off and open a gate and close a gate, and I would never do it quite right. Uh-huh. And what sports did you play as a child? Um, I loved softball. I played, I swam, I was on the water team. Uh, then it was like water ballet. Huh. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> no. Um, so then what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. I knew from the get-go. In fact, I wanted many children. And my husband had agreed with that. And we only had three. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> and so then do you remember any big world events from the time when you were growing up? Do I remember any what? Big world events. So... 1935, do you remember like World War II and what absolutely, effect that? Absolutely, absolutely, and the, the freedom, and I can remember standing out in the front yard yelling and screaming and yaying. And, <laughs> and so then, did you really have, was there a part of your childhood that was during the Great Depression, or was that kind of No, that you? was over, but my folks went through that, so they were kind of frugal. Okay, so they still had that mindset, even if the right, right, it was over. Right. Um, and then, kind of, what was your high school graduation like? What was kind of those high school years? Was there anything that really stands out? Um, I could remember we could walk to school. It was a funny thing. My girlfriend would come, and we'd try to get out the front door before my mother was there. <laughs> To leave our coats because they wouldn't fit in the wa- in the locker. Okay. So we both stash our coat on a little chair in the front and leave <laughs> before she got after us because she was the final stop. <laughs> and then I can remember great fun. We had slumber parties and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Wow. And so during this time, did you get a job working for the furniture store with your dad? Or was yes, kind of your I first did. job? And we also did a fun thing. We worked for Burpee at Burpee the Seed Company. Oh. And they, they had a farm where they raised seeds. And we used to kill um, tomato worms. And we used to flirt with a train that went by. Oh. But we could wear shorts and uh, halter tops and get a suntan. So everybody wanted the job. Paid hardly anything. <laughs> but we all wanted the job because it was uh, it was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but Burpee Seed Company, isn't uh-huh. that funny? I hadn't heard of that before. Yeah. And But okay. it was a farming community. It um, They raised walnuts, citrus... And then later on, all of that country became housing. Wow. So it's been kind of... I bet it would be weird to go back now and just see all this that... Oh, I've been. Is yeah. it kind of just weird to see all this farmland well, now all the, gone? all the... All the um, wonderful stores that were there. There were four or five jewelry stores and clothing stores and furniture stores and... All of that is gone, and it has turned mostly, um, uh, most of the proprietors are Mexican. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people moved to Ventura. Uh, there is a Kmart there, but there's very little of what the big community was when when I was a child. 
And so then did you end up going to college and kind of where? Colorado Women's College for two years in San Jose, San Jose State for two years. And oh. uh, I, of the three girls, I probably was the least capable, but I'm the only one who graduated from college. Wow. So then, the oldest girl was brilliant, really smart, and the middle girl was rather clever. And uh, I thought it was quite an accomplishment for me to graduate. Yeah. So then what caused you to switch from the Colorado Women's College to San Jose It was State? only a two-year college. Oh, okay. And that was really novel for me because we closed school on Fridays and went to the slopes and had private lessons. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I was never uh, a great skier or skater or anything, but I tried everything. Yeah. yeah. And and it's true, I was spoiled. <laughs> and so then when you, what kind of, when you were at the Colorado School for Girls? Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado Women's College. Yeah. How did you pick San Jose State as where to go next? Um, I don't Do you remember? know, really. Okay. I was just curious. Cause I the that... only reason I went to Colorado Women's College is because my sister had gone there. Uh... And, of course, the snow was a big attraction. The seasons. Um, Denver is very unusual. When the aspen turn, they turn gold. And you can look out of the airplane, and there's a sea of gold. Wow. It's just absolutely beautiful. And one of the towns, of course, is named Golden. Yeah. And so then, what did you go for to college for? Did you have a major? Was it for teaching? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So then... In fact, there, which is quite novel, in the snow outside, the pool was covered. We swam a mile. Wow. In the pool, back and forth. While it was snowing outside, I got out of the pool and vomited. But the teacher swam with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then, did you start teaching right away up in the San Jose area, or kind of what was no, next? No, uh, back home, uh, actually, I taught in Ventura. I didn't want to teach in Santa Paula, where I was born, in, not born, but raised, uh, because I'd be teaching my friend's kids. Oh. So I went to Ventura. and It's probably there. a very smart uh, decision. Oh, yeah. No. Made a few smart ones. <laughs> Yeah, I could just see where that would be hard. It would. Um, And so then, kind of with... So at some point you end up in San Diego. So you went from teaching in Ventura. Did you... We lived in Libya for one year. And as we were there, people kept saying, we're getting kicked out. Why are you coming? And I said, well, we we did come here. And swimming in the med was really interesting. The first day... The kids swam out to the reefs, and I was panicked. The <laughs> next day, I swam out, too, because yeah. you could stand on the reef, but it was way out. So then when you went to go live in all these other places, this was after you were married? Yes. Okay. But I, it was pretty much a religious experience, because first of all, I didn't want to go to a foreign country and take my children so uh, a preacher said, you know, you should be willing to f- follow your husband wherever he goes. And the 
bad part was he worked in the desert and we lived in town. And it was a time when Gaddafi was the ruler and it was it was a little scary. Some yeah. incidents happened while we were there, but good good everything was provided um by the oil companies, seriously. Uh yeah. So then I'm just going to kind of go back and lay some of the foundation of when did you get married within your timeline? Was this when you were teaching in Ventura or? No, uh-uh. Um, my husband, my boyfriend actually came to my graduation. From college? From college. Not my parents, but my huh. boyfriend. And then we married and uh, after we were married and lived in Buellton, Buellton, California. Mm-hmm. You know where that no, is? No, I don't. Yeah, north. Um, let's see, what's it near? North of Santa Barbara. Okay. And so then, that was, so you got married essentially right out of college-ish. Uh-huh. And then, how many children did you have, and kind of what was the age separation between them? Um, Sam and Melissa were close, and then... Uh, Jim was the baby. And so then, where, at this point, you were living in Ventura when you had your kids then, or? Uh, we moved back to Santa Paula when I had my kids. Okay. Yeah. So you went from San Jose to Ventura to then going back to Santa Paula. Correct, but uh, not quite in that order. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it, yeah. Uh-huh. And so then, what did your husband do? He worked for Texaco. Okay. He was a mechanic. And so is that what drove you guys overseas? Yes, because he was um, like a teacher for the mechanics so that when he left, they could take over. Okay. But that did not happen there or in Ecuador. They didn't have the confidence to run the oil field. Huh. And what they did is they pumped oil from the jungle to the coast. Okay. And they had to keep all the machinery that would run that to the ocean. And they'd fill a ship in the ocean with oil. So, so was, kind of, was this from Santa Paula after you had your kids and then your husband got an assignment overseas and is mm-hmm. that when you left? Mm-hmm. So where'd you go first from there? Uh, we went to um, Rome. Okay. And how long did you guys live there? Only one year. Okay. Yeah. And it was really <clears throat> funny because uh, I think the thing that got, uh, for some reason when we got there, they didn't want to let us in. But my daughter got sick. She ate um, lettuce and got sick, and they couldn't have been nicer in customs. Really? And somehow we got it. <laughs> and so then you went to Rome, and then from Rome you went to... To Quito, Quito, okay. Ecuador. And kind of the same deal of he just got a different assignment to go teach mechanics somewhere no, else? No, we had to go home. We had to pack everything up. Uh, well, going to Libya, we had to store stuff. And we didn't sell that much. We didn't really have that much. But we lived in Buellton then. And, uh, oh, the kids went to a small school in Buellton. 
So I don't know. They were they were not big, but bigger kids when we went there. Tequila. And Jim was actually baptized in the med. Oh wow! The youngest son. So in Rome, they were bigger kids. By the time you guys went to Rome, not in Rome, but in Libya. Oh, in Libya. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you went Rome, Quito, Libya, essentially with some trips home in between, right? Yes, definitely. Uh-huh. What stands out to you from your time in any of those countries? Um, we were able to go to church at a small cat, um, American church, and the pastor and his wife both spoke Arabic, and we made a trip. This is in Libya? This is in Libya. We made a trip out into the desert and met some Bedouins. Hmm. And the men, of course, left, our men and their men, and all the ladies wanted to know was about our jewelry. They didn't know where um, the capital of the country was. They were all dressed in the same fabric, and somebody had obviously been to town and bought a bolt of material and they sewed their outfits. Yeah. Their caftans. <laughs> so then But when, that was okay. exciting because she was able to speak to them in their native tongue, but the fact was they just wanted to know about life and and they didn't know that was the capital. They'd never been any place but the desert. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah. So then when you lived in all these different places with the oil company, was there almost like a military base in the sense of where there's a community of Americans living in these areas that are working for the oil company? Or was it very much immersion in the culture and kind of living, okay, it's more immersion. More like that, although we had like a captain or a deputy that would tell us, don't go downtown, stay home, don't don't go here. Uh, we were to keep a supply of water, uh, fill the bathtub. If there was a ghibli, which is a windstorm, which is really scary. Yeah. And you had um, you had these blinds that came down that were supposed to keep the sand out, but they didn't. And you were required, uh, kind of like uh, Ecuador, to 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 hire. Um, like a maid or a servant, and in this case, it was a Libyan man, and they couldn't take anything. If you gave them something, you had to write that you had given it to them, that they didn't steal it. Yeah. Um, the animals were strange. They had. Um, they were wild. They had uh, interbred. So they were almost frightening, hmm. wild cats and stuff. But those those storms, those ghiblies were ooh scary. Did you end up learning how to speak the local language in either Rome, Quito, or Libya? Uh, no, the people in the embassy spoke English in Rome, Quito. Uh, I did okay, but my my Spanish is very poor. And then in Libya, did you end up learning any? No, in a year, no. Oh, you only lived in 
Did you only live in each of these places for a year or? Oh, no, 20 years in Quito. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah long term. Okay, I kind of was just picturing that as the same amount of time in each place. Oh, no, definitely not. In fact, it was funny because the whole time we were there, why are you coming? We're leaving. <laughs> and what had happened is you come for a certain length of time, and by then they should be trained, so you leave. So it was time for us to leave. But the very interesting thing about the children is every day they would come home with where their their uh, classmates were going. So, of course, we'd get out the globe and we'd figure out where that country was, where they were going to go. So it was real geography that we were learning in our home just to find out where their friends were going. From Quito? Or where? No, from Libya. Oh, so all the Libya people, uh, children were going other places uh-huh. for education and stuff? No, we, were, we all had to leave the country. Oh. We were literally kicked out. And so then their friends were other Americans or oil workers, or were they more native? Oh, our school was strictly an oil company school. Okay. We we didn't converse or... Well, actually, Melissa had a Moroccan uh, uh, friend, and they had a Cadillac, and they could buy and pick her up. (laughs) But... She had some interesting friends, and one of the girls, who was she with? Oh, she, her, her mom and dad were with an oil company, too. But the Moroccan girl was quite interesting. But we were friends with our neighbor kids. Now, Sam couldn't go to their house, my son, because he was like 12. But they all could come over to our house. So that was interesting. Probably learned a lot in Libya, just a year there, because a whole different culture. Yeah. But we were able to participate in our church. So then, where did all of these fit in with your children? They were all born before you even went to Rome, right? Definitely. And so then, when you went from to Rome, to Quito, were they adults by the time you left Quito, or how did that... Oh, no, 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 no. When they were college age, then they had to go to the States. Okay, so you... They couldn't go to college there. So your children kind of left sometime in Quito for the most part. Was that how that worked, or... Cause it... Yes, most okay. of the time in Quito, yeah. Well, they did they head back to the States while you guys were living in Quito for education then? They did. Okay, so they were kind of all college age during that time. Right. When, and when when they graduated from the Alliance Academy in Quito, then they went to college. Yeah. Okay. And so then, did they come with when you went to Libya then, or were they still living in the states? No, they they came with us okay. to Libya. Yeah. But Rome is only just a stopping point where we were trying to get get into to uh, Libya. Oh, so you went Rome to Libya to Quito. What was kind of the order of the countries? Yeah, Rome was not a major anything. Okay. Sam would have had to go to school there. He would have had to have left Libya because the school didn't go any further for him. And he would have had to live in a, in a, a, a dormitory in Rome. And we didn't want him to do that. 
Okay, so chronologically, it was Rome as a stopping point to get to Libya. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you went home for a little bit and then went to Quito? Is that? Uh-huh, yes. Okay. So we had to come home. And there's a whole process, a waiting process of getting ready to go. And we live with my parents, and that was kind of frustrating for them to have suddenly have three kids. And yeah. So Rome wasn't really for very long. That was just a stopping point for Libya. Then you came back, and then for the second overseas excursion was to Quito. And that was kind of when all of your children kind of grew out of the house and went back to the States. Hmm. Okay. I was getting the order of that mixed up, so yeah, that's why I was clarifying. Kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so then... So you could say that they kind of had a diversified education. Uh, never would have learned that out of a textbook. Yeah. The relationships. And in Quito, um, the missionary school was very very different we had one black family come and they accepted them like they were their own brothers and sisters it was really wonderful and so when you come back from keto you're living back here or where did you go after keto uh we had thought about moving to someplace like arizona but the kids really wanted us here so we rented an apartment until we could find a home, and this is the house that we oh, bought, really? and because uh, it had a pool, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we all liked the ocean. Yeah. By the time you came back from keto, I'm assuming your kid, because that's 20 years, so that's a long time. I'm assuming your kids had already graduated from college at that point, or. Uh. Let's see. Or do you not remember necessarily? No. Okay, that's okay. I was just curious to see if when you came back, they'd kind of established themselves and had like a job and. Um. Yes. Okay. And so then, were they married at this point, or? Um, Melissa married late. Uh. And when we lived here, Jim Jim got married. Okay. But he was the one that was baptized in the med, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Okay, and so then what was kind of the most memorable, well, I guess kind of all these trips would have been, but did you have like one specific memorable family vacation that you took or not really or... Um, it was frightening. Uh, We went with some missionary friends to Colombia, and we were stopped by people with guns, kind of uniforms, but we didn't think they were legitimate, and they told us to stop and turn around and leave, and my friend... The missionary started to argue with them. And I said, Joanne, that is a rifle that he is pointing at you. Don't argue with him. We're leaving. Yeah. And at that time, they were holding two of the Wycliffe missionaries. Oh. 
one needed medication and that was a really outstanding thing that happened to me. I went to HCJB, which is a radio station okay. for um, for Christians, and we prayed every night for these people to be released. They walked into the meeting, and we all cried. Wow. They were released. Wow. And it, our prayers made a difference for that, those people. They walked into the meeting. Wow. It was just a God thing. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Can you believe it? So you just gathered every so often to pray for them, and mm-hmm. then eventually they ended up coming to one of the meetings. Wow. In each of these places that you lived, was there a pretty big missionary presence? Very big, very big, yes. Um, where I taught, um, on one side of the street was the hospital. On the other side of the street was the radio station and then the school. So we were all right there together. And when you lived in Libya or Quito, did you end up teaching at some of the schools? or Yes, I substitute taught there. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then when you guys came back to the States, did you go back into teaching or? Yes, I went to the church and said, you know, I have a credential. I'd like to teach. And I taught for Donna Salmi in the preschool at church Okay. for years. Was preschool teaching kind of the initial age group that you Got yeah, I liked kindergartners. And, okay, so and, you were on the uh, younger end of the spectrum. Uh-huh, yeah, um, I did when we were in Libya. I did quite a bit of uh, PE teaching for the teachers, for the men, and it was interesting because I'd been used to teaching kindergarten, and then these uh, kids were middle school, and they would talk back to me, and I didn't like that at all because I <laughs> yeah. Uh, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a great respect for middle school teachers because they put up with that. Yeah. And so then you came back, did preschool teaching for a while, and then eventually retired. And then was that kind of your path? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then kind of looking back over your life as a whole, had, does a major personal turning point stand out of where... Oh, I think that being in two different countries, learning two different languages, I think all of that really changed me. Um, And, of course, my childhood changed me, too. Yeah. So I have to tell you a funny thing about my mom. When I said she was strict, she said, don't leave your bike out. Somebody will steal it. And I love my bike. I rode all over the place. Uh, came home one day, it was gone. Wow. She said, somebody must have stolen it, huh? And I said, well, I don't know, it's gone. I guess I guess that's what happened. Six months later, she said, how would you like to have your bike back? I said, Mom, it's gone, it was stolen. She said, no, I hid it in the bunkhouse. I said, Mom... Why? She said, because you didn't mind me. I thought I'd teach you a lesson. 
I never left that bike out again. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. She was strict. And so then, you've probably seen a lot of history over time. Is there a major world event that kind of just changed everything, be it from as early on as World War II to as recent as 9-11 or anything like that? I don't... um... I don't think that our kids appreciate the the service time that all of our men sacrificed. I don't I don't think they have any idea of what a war is and what fighting is and what uh saving money and depression and all those things that they haven't experienced mean to them whereas I don't think I ever gave anything up, but I can remember we had that spirit of what can we do to help. Uh, my mom became a nurse during the war. She didn't have nurse training, but you know she wanted to do something. Uh, interesting things, huh? Yeah. And so then, do you have any just general piece of advice for someone that's younger on in their path of life so that'd be be that kind of like my age where I'm a senior in high school I think the earlier you have a job whether it be a job your mom gave you or a job that you're earning money that this as soon as possible learn about money managing working until you have a job you're not gonna know what it's like to have to work and get up every day and go whether you feel good or not and if you don't have God in your life you're really missing out Yeah. because prayer works he can help you if you try to live for God you've got it made it doesn't mean you're not going to have trials because you are but if you love the Lord and you really want to serve Him, you've got it made. And I think it, every kid ought to know where they're going to go. I have the assurance that I'm going to heaven, not because of anything I did, but because of what Christ did. Yeah. So then, kind of switching gears a little bit, if you could go back to any age throughout your life, which age would it be and kind of why? Oh, I love riding horses. So going back to your childhood. (laughs) I love that. Well, no, the childhood wasn't good because my sisters were causing big problems. And I remember praying, God, please help me be good. Yeah. And and people said I was a goody (laughs) two-shoes. But was that kind of your, looking back, because over the course of your life, you've had lots of hobbies from the sports as a child to even like tennis and boogie boarding and some of that different stuff that you've done. Oh, I love to boogie board, <laughs> but I'm afraid to do it now. Yeah. Would you, what would you say was like your favorite hobby? Was it the horseback riding? Was that what you really liked or, or is that too have hard you, of a question? Have you ridden? No. Well, I've had a ride, go fast, is just, just a thrill and boogie boarding. I would always scream when I boogie boarded <laughs> when I caught a good wave. Because it's just, it's like flying. Yeah. 
Um, did you have any expectations at points in your life about what growing older would look like? And did it... No, I was never going to get old. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 83, almost 84, and uh, somebody said, oh, you'll live to be 100. I said, I don't want to because <laughs> your, body, your body fails you. Yeah. So. Is there anything you wish that you'd done differently to prepare for getting older, or was it kind of just... I don't know. I don't know. I think I took pretty good care of my body and my health, and uh, I think your body just fails you after a while. And probably the hardest thing for me right now is not being able to drive. I don't. Yeah. I don't really like to stay home. Yeah. So <laughs> I I Uber and I have women driving women and yeah. And so then, looking back over your whole life, is there a moment that stands out of one of your biggest joys and kind of like biggest just happy time, if that's any easier of a phrasing for you? Well, I I have kind of an unusual um, assignment right now. Uh, most of Melissa's girlfriends are flight attendants. Okay. And their parents have died, and I'm their surrogate mom. <laughs> so I've adopted all these daughters that are just, they're wonderful. And my daughter goes out of her way to keep her friends, and it's a thrill for me to have extra kids. So and, is your daughter uh, a flight attendant? Uh-huh. Okay, for I American for over 30 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, staying home is difficult for me, but I figure I could have, I've had five strokes and I could have another one and I could kill somebody or kill myself and we don't want that. In fact, I have a very good friend I need to tell and I'm afraid I'll lose her as a friend if I tell her she shouldn't be driving because we recently went out and three different times she almost got us killed. That's rough. Um, I'm going to ask this question, and you can take it however you would like to, but do you have, do you have like, a biggest regret from life? And if you don't want to answer this, it's fine. The what? A, a regret. I try to be a very, very thoughtful person, but I suppose I could be more, more so. I still... Um, I still call on the people at church that don't come anymore. Uh, um, just be more helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of just a fun question that you could take however you would like. But if you had to nail down, if someone were to ask you, what is the secret to life? How would you nail that down? Having a good mate having a good marriage, and having good kids. And then, do you have a most cherished family tradition? And I don't know if this, this is kind of just one that I'm fishing for. Um, at Christmas, we all stand in a big circle, and we have a prayer. And usually, we have somebody say what they're, if they made a, a resolution, what their resolution would be. And this year, 
we made three teams and they had to dress a snowman with props yeah. and they had to use everything in the prop bag and it was so much fun and then I had a prize for them but I didn't know whom I should choose because they were all a riot one had a, a bra for a hula skirt and they put it on their head for earphones for muffs earmuffs yeah. it was really funny and everybody, when they left, said that was the most fun because they're all ages, young and old, and they all got to participate, and they all got to dress them. There was tape and pillows and all kinds of stuff, you know. So, and you have to use it all. Anyway, that that was really fun. But to have that whole group of people, some are church, some are not church, but... To do that every year and feel a part of that group, they all held hands, and I think that that kind of unites the family. Yeah. So. Um, what do you feel like has been some of the most important successes in your life? Probably friendships. Yeah. And do you have any frustrations that really just stand out? Yes, uh, I'm pretty outspoken, and sometimes I say the wrong thing. So be careful what you say, because it sticks. Yeah. And what do you, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you were young? Uh... I love my parents. They were wonderful, but I was sick most of my beginning years of school if I'd been a better student. But I was sick most of my first, second, and third grades. And those are those formative years where you learn to read and you get your basic education. And I think that all parents should read to their children. You don't know how important that is. Is there any object that you've thrown away at some point in your life that you wish you hadn't? Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific that stands out in the story behind that? I'm right now looking for the um, the pink slip for the car. <laughs> And then, this is going to be the last question, but if you had one takeaway from your life that you could pass on to someone younger, that could just be, do you have anything specific as a takeaway from your life? Something that I would take out of my life? No, sorry, let me rephrase that. Like, if there's one lesson that you would want others to have learned from your life. Probably just be very careful what you say because it sticks. Yeah. And then, unless you have, do you have any other stories that you'd like to add, or else I can wrap it up? I thought that one about my mom and the bike was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what she did, which I thought was fun. Uh, 
we did plays with the um, clothesline, and that was our curtain. And we did the three bears, we did the three pigs, and we invited all the neighbors and get to play act as a kid. And my mom really encouraged it. Cool. So thank you all for listening to this most recent episode of Seniority. Uh, I think you probably noticed throughout this episode that my voice sounds a little bit deeper than usual, and the day I recorded this, I was sick, so that's only going to last for this episode. I'd like to say thank you to Grandma Gail for letting me interview her for this, and until the next episode, which should be in about a week, if you're still interested, I'd ask you that you'd follow our Instagram page at seniority.fm, rate and review the podcast on itunes if that's something you're into and if this podcast deserved it if it did not that's cool and until next week